appreciate these men and appreciate their heart for the Lord. And uh, hopefully you were blessed by them in Sunday school this morning. Isaiah chapter number six. And I know they're a blessing to me when I get to hear them speak occasionally uh, back at our home church there. And uh, uh, we just praise the Lord for them and praise the Lord that God will God has allowed us to sing together. Somebody the other day, they asked us how long we had been singing together, and I really didn't remember. And so I started having to do calculations in my mind, and I thought, man, we've been recording since, I think, 2006 was our first recording. And we were singing together at least two years before that, so it's it's been 15 years that we've been singing together. And we haven't killed each other yet. We came close a couple different times, but... But we made it through, and I'm so glad that you are here, and hopefully you're looking forward to God doing something in your heart this week. Amen. Amen. Well, I know there's three people here. Amen. And hopefully you're looking forward to the Lord doing something in your heart this week. Amen. There we go. There's two more. All right. And, uh, we might have church this week, but no, I really do. I, my heartbeat is for revival. And I'll be honest with you, the reason why my heartbeat is so for revival is I need it. I mean, I need to be revived. I know how my flesh is. I know how wicked my mind is. I know how easy it is for me, as a songwriter put it, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. And I want to take my heart and seal it and for God to seal it for his courts above. And I think if all of us took some inventory of our life, hopefully you would see our need for revival. And let me, let, me, let me just encourage you, be faithful to the services. God always seems to give us what we need in this meeting. And I say us, Amen. not just you, and not just me so I can get up here and perform my little speech. Not, nothing discourages a preacher more than somebody after the service coming up and say, man, I really enjoyed your speech today. Your, your lecture was really nice today. I was like, good night. I'm not a professor. I'm a preacher. And I enjoyed your message, your sermon. And, uh, but boy, I, and, and I do, I pray, I seek the Lord and these guys know it. And the preacher knows that we want to be sensitive to the Lord's work in this week. And I want to mind the Lord as my Southern friends would say, and I want to preach everything he wants me to preach this week. And I don't want to preach anything that he doesn't want me to preach this week. But as Jesus taught us, we can throw out the seed all we want to. If that seed does not fall on good ground, if you've got things in your life right now that are going to rise up and choke out what God's trying to do in this revival, we may as well not have sown that seed. And the Bible says, you know, I think sometimes we, we, and I'm not, and it was mentioned earlier, uh, but I think sometimes we misinterpret that phrase. Uh, the Bible says God's word will not return void. It says his word will not return unto him void. I believe this. But it said he, it will accomplish his purposes. You know, sometimes we get the word of God because God is going to condemn people, but he gives them a warning first. But however the word of God is preached when it goes forth, it's not going to come back unfulfilled is what it's saying. Every word in in the word of God will be fulfilled. Every single word. Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but not one jot or one tittle of his word will ever pass away. And so if I were you tonight, I'd just determine that God's word will not return void in the sense that I'm going to respond positively to God's word. And by the way, if you respond negatively to God's word, that does not mean his word returned void. That means it returned exactly because exactly he said this. He said, you add to this book, he's going to add the plagues written in this book. His word will not return as an empty promise to him, as an unfulfilled uh, uh, promise in the word of God. It will be fulfilled. The difference is, what will your heart do with what is preached this week? There were men, there were 300 men who all sat and heard the same message as I heard. There were men that heard Brother Shepard and and, 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 uh, Brother uh, Skelly preach, and, and they heard those two men, and man, you could tell some of them, it was falling on good ground, Brother Stone, but some of them, I mean, you could tell it was, it was it, and they may as well not have even come, and we're glad that they came, but the fact of the matter is, many times I preach, and it goes in one ear and out the other ear, and so I tell my wife to pay better attention, amen, no, but... <laughs> I was preaching a revival one time, and there was a fellow who, I mean, he was, he, 
this guy, this guy, he sat on the front row, but I'm almost positive he was narcoleptic. How many know what nar- narcolepsy is? You, can, you fall asleep anywhere and everywhere. It's, it's, a dis- it's actual disorder. And uh, somebody said, oh yeah, our deacons have that. <laughs> but they can, they can fall asleep anywhere. And this fellow though, he wanted, I mean, he was one of those guys, bless God, I want to be in the front row. I want to be under the spout where the glory comes out. And he was asleep 10 minutes into my message. But he'd sit right on that front row. They had one middle section. And I was preaching, I was thinking I was in Burlington, Iowa preaching. And he sat right on the front row. And sure enough, he fell asleep. And I didn't take bets on it, but I bet you if I tried to snore as loud as I possibly could, I could not be louder than that man was on the front row. (laughs) It was almost like he had a megaphone with him as he was snoring. I'm thinking, do you practice this at home? And he, and he, sure enough, every service, oh, I'm so sorry, man. He said, he said, I, I work nights and he said, I just, but I want to be here. But he said, I just, I'm having a struggle right now with my sleep. But he said, I want to be under the spout where the glory comes out. And he said, he said, he said, you know, I just want to be there. He said, I, and I said, man, if you know, you're tired, just, just sit in the back. He said, no, 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 I want to sit in the front. I want to be where God's working up here. And finally, the last night, I finally, I had enough of it. I said, I, I said, hey, you over there. I said, wake him up. And they yelled back, he said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up, amen? <laughs> Thought these ungrateful preachers, ungrateful Baptists. But I do, I hope it falls on good ground. I hope you're not sleeping through the messages this week. But can I say to you, I, I, want, I want to prepare our hearts this, tonight for what's going to come. And I don't say that because, I, listen, I don't even know what I'm preaching tomorrow. I have no idea. It's not, listen, I'm not praying for Calvin Allen to show up. That's the thing. I don't say what God's going to do because in some arrogant way, like, oh, because I'm here or because of my message. Because I know what God can do with a bunch of people that just say, I want, I want it. See, he said in his word, I will pour water on him who is thirsty. And I've said it time and time again, every time I've been here, I've probably said it. I said in almost every revival that you have as much of God in your life as you want right now. You have as much revival in your soul right now as you desire to have. Because he is not hiding from revival. Listen, and I know John chapter 3, he said this, the wind bloweth where it listeth. I know there are some times when there is a torrent of God's wind, a rain and wind coming upon us. I know when it seems like we're in revival and there is a hurricane wind, but I don't care whether it's a hurricane revival or it's just a cool breeze blowing through. I want God to move in my life and I want to prepare as if he's going to send a hurricane through this place. The average pastor in the average church, and I'm going to get to my message tonight, the average pastor in the average church, they don't even have their baptism full. You know why? Because they don't expect anybody to get baptized. That's right. That's right. The average church does not have decision slips around their church in case people get saved because they're not planning on anybody walking down the aisle. Did it ever dawn on you when the prodigal son came home The father said, go kill the fatted calf. Did ever Donnie, he didn't say, go get one of them or go get the fattest one that you can find. He said, kill the fatted calf. You know why? Because Brother Al, he was preparing for the day that his son was going to come home. He said he's going to come home, so you might as well fatten up that cow. You might as well keep a ring on spare. You might as well keep a set of clothes. This is not what I'm preaching tonight, but I feel like God wants me to say this tonight. But won't you just, won't you just say, hey, I'm just prepared in case God moves. I'm going to, listen, here's what we need to do. We need to put these box of Kleenex right here down the aisle because somebody's going to come down that aisle and somebody's going to pour their heart out to God and somebody might get saved and somebody's going to get right with God. You go into some of these churches, you can't find a Kleenex box within three miles of the church. You know why? Because ain't nobody cried in church in 10, well, except for funerals. Nobody's cried in church and, and some of them for weddings. And, uh, and, but nobody's cried. And some of you, when you saw that other sister coming down the aisle, oh, get her away. No, but, but listen, nobody's planning on crying. Listen, why don't you prepare your heart right now for revival? Yeah. 
Why don't you right now say whatever that crazy black man up there is going to preach that I'm going to listen to and I'm going to respond to what God does in my heart. I got I to tell it, but Brendan Fury was texting me before or after the service and this afternoon. We were texting up until the time of the service tonight. And he, he, he just, I didn't know he was watching. And he said, man, he said, he said live streaming makes you look uglier. And I said, thanks. I appreciate you too. And uh, he, he, he said, make sure you include, he said, I said, I'm gonna give you a shout out for that tonight. He said, well, make sure if you do, tell him I use the black man emoji for it. And uh, I said, you're a stinking jerk. But anyways, so if you're listening, oh. Well, why don't you just prepare your heart and say, you know what? God's gonna work. God's gonna work. You know what I come, I, I, love, I love coming to churches like this because I'm just like looking where, where God's gonna work. I'm just looking for it. I, I, I just expect him to work. While we expect God to work, sure. why don't you in your heart right now say, God, you're going to do it in me. Amen. Just do it. Amen. Just do it. Isaiah chapter number six, he said this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw also, excuse me, the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood six, stood seraphims, I'm sorry. And uh, my glasses aren't working tonight. Above it stood the seraphims. One, each one had six wings with twain or two. He covered his face. And with twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the pulse of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Here's the sermon tonight. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, and which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. I want to draw your attention for a little while on that little phrase, mine eyes have seen the king. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help me. I need your touch. Lord, you know I've preached this message before, not in this place, but other places. And Lord, I don't want to go over this sermon just because it's familiar ground. I don't want to preach this message just because uh, simply it's, it's, it's just the next one in line to do. But God, I want a fresh anointing on this message tonight. And so, Lord, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, I surrender myself to you as I already have many times since we began this trip. And Father, I pray if there's any unsaved in here tonight, Lord, they heard enough gospel in the songs already of this service to be saved. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to be everlasting changed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would see you in a clearer way than we've ever seen you tonight. Do a work in our heart, God. We open it to you. We want you to do anything and everything you want to do. Help me to say everything you want me to say. Help me not to say anything you wouldn't have me say. We'll give you all praise and glory when it's all said and done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. For some reason, the relationship King Isaiah had with King Uzziah blocked his view from seeing God to the fullness that he was supposed to see him. And for some reason, he said, the year that King Uzziah died, then I saw the Lord high and lifted up. In other words, he said, there was something obstructing my view from seeing God for who he was. There was somebody obstructing my view from seeing God and who he was. You know, I've noticed in my life where, where when, I, when I am backslidden, when I am not revived in my spirit, what I've always noticed is there's always something or someone that is blocking my view of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it was a girlfriend. 
Uh, sometimes it was, a, it, was, it, was, it was maybe somebody that disappointed me. And sometimes it was somebody that I looked up to. Sometimes it was a hero in my life that, that caused me to veer away from the Lord. But many times in our lives, there are things that will rise up, as, as Paul put it, there are things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God in my life. They began to obstruct my view. But Isaiah saw something. He said, when King Uzziah finally died, I saw the Lord. And I tell you tonight, here's my number one goal. This is it. I want you to see the Lord for who he is. That's it. That's it. Because I know what happens when people see the Lord for who he is. There are certain people in my life that, man, once you get close to them, you have a certain thing in your mind about what they're like. And, and once you get close to them, it's like, oh. You ever had a girl? I remember, I remember there was a particular young lady that I liked when I was in, 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 in younger years. And it may have been even in grade school. And I remember thinking, man, she is pretty. Man, I love to talk to her. And I remember going and, 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 and starting to, you know, the process, just talking to her. I may have been in fourth, fifth, sixth grade. I don't remember what it was. And started talking to this girl. Then I'm like, man, she is the most obnoxious person I've ever met. Some, how many know what I'm talking about? How many are married who I'm talking? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't raise, don't raise your hand right there. Uh, testimony time. Anybody get over? No. But, but you ever meet somebody and man, you finally, I, I remember, um, I forget who it was, I think it was a fighter and, and uh, it, it is a funny story. One of, my, one of my buddies, we went to the, the ultimate fighting championship and the night before they had the weigh-ins and we went to the weigh-ins and there was a hometown guy, as a matter of fact, he won, he won the championship, he won his fight the next day. Unbelievable. I've never heard a louder auditorium than when he won that fight. Matter of fact, he fought last night, he won again. He was a local Milwaukee guy. Everybody was behind him. Well, he was fighting another guy who was a really good guy. Actually, he, 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 his fight song was, our God is an awesome God. And I thought, man, I like that guy. I don't want him to, but I want a Milwaukee guy to win. But at the weigh-ins, you cheer for your guy. And I remember, me and my buddies, I had a few guys from the church with me, and, and, and we were there. And so we're cheering for the Milwaukee guy. And the Milwaukee guy comes out, and we're like, yeah, kill him, I know we're crazy. Amen? Our pastor always says, we may be nuts, but we're screwed on the right bolt. Amen. <laughs> and we're cheering for this Milwaukee. And then the other guy comes out. And I like the other guy. But one of my friends got this great idea. Let's boo him. And one of our Christian school, Matt DeKena, one of our Christian school teachers. And he's, he's literally, and we're, we're, we're in the auditorium, we're, we're, a bunch of, we're about 20 rolls back. And he literally, boo, boo. And I'm laughing about it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we hate him. And it, but about three rows ahead of us, there was this guy that was turned around in our direction, looking right at us. And I didn't notice the guy at first, but he was standing there and he had his arms folded just like this. And then my buddy who was yelling, boo, noticed him. <laughs> and I noticed him at the same time. And I thought, man, that guy was pretty buff. I mean, he had muscles on top of his muscles. And here we are, boo, boo. And right about that time, we realized that he was like, boo. <laughs> that's, that's Joe Diesel Riggs. He could kill both of us with one finger. And I, said, I looked at Matt. I said, listen. I said, I said, and then all of his buddies turned around too. And I said, if he kills you after this, I said, I don't know you. <laughs> I will identify the body, but I don't know you. And it was, it was kind of disappointing. You saw that guy. And then we got closer and closer to him. And I thought, man, he's this giant of a man. We got over there to him and he was about that tall. It's very disappointing sometimes when you meet that hero. 
I've met basketball players. I, I've had a chance to drive some of the all-star players from the Brewers team. I've met football players because I was driving limousine at the time. And man, I'm going to tell you, there's some that I have been absolutely horrified at what I found out when I got close to them. But I'm going to tell you tonight, every time I've gotten a glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have never been disappointed one time by what I saw. I've never been let down. We've never had a cross conversation. He's never disappointed me. I've never said, man, he's just, he's just so small than what I thought he was. He's always bigger than what I thought he was. He's always stronger than what I thought he was. He's always more magnificent than I ever thought he was. Have you seen him tonight? I believe he saw several things when he saw the Lord. I believe, number one, he saw the Lord's position. He said, man, once he said, He said, once I got a glimpse of him, I saw him and he was high and lifted up. He said, I saw the position and oh, how I wish I could get God's people to give him his proper place in their life, to let him see his position and his position is sitting on high. Now, I love the song that says he is higher than the highest. He is greater than the great and no one will ever take his crown away. I, I love it. The Bible says beside him, there is no other God. I love Hebrews chapter number one when it said when he by himself had purged our sin, he sat down at the right hand hand of a majesty on high and I'm glad for the God tonight that didn't need anybody's help to forgive our sins he didn't need anybody anybody else's work to fulfill uh, forgive our sins he by himself purged our sins you understand you serve a God I, I told our young people you understand God didn't discover calculus he made the rules for calculus God didn't study biology in a lab one day and said, you know what, let me try some experiments over here. No, God, the Bible says, is the issuer of life and all life issues forth from him. This is our God tonight. And may we see him again high and lifted up. I hate it when somebody gets up and say, well, the man upstairs, let me tell you tonight, he's not the man upstairs. He's the one that built everything, the stars and the moon, and he's the one that set it all in his place tonight. He's not some old man upstairs. He's not some Santa Claus to grant our little wish in certain seasons of the year. He's not, he's not the Easter bunny, hey, that comes and visits us once in a while. He is the God of heaven. He is ever present. He is alpha. He is omega. He's the beginning of all things. He's the end of all things. The Bible says he's the heir of all things. That is our God tonight. And may we this week get a glimpse of him. See him high and lifted up. I believe when Isaiah saw him, he said, man, he's high and lifted up. In his word, he said this. He said, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. Aren't you glad you got a God you can't figure out? Somebody said, well, I can't figure out God. Well, how good of a God would he be if you could just figure him out? And I say this to you, sir, you haven't even got your wife figured out. And just about the time you get her figured out, they completely flip. Somebody said, I'm going to write a book about women. I said, well, you better get three truckloads full, amen, and you better get an unexhaustible un, un, uh, supply of ink. Why? We, don't even have, we don't even have ourselves figured out. We don't even know. I mean, you, you, some of you in here, I used to like broccoli as a kid. I hate broccoli now. Well, you're probably a wise person. But anyways, uh, you, we don't even have ourselves figured out yet. And we think we're supposed to figure out the high and lifted up God. How about we just let him have his place? Amen. Amen. And I ask you this. What's his place in your life? You know, it's easy to see and look at him high and lifted up. But it's real hard to give him that high and lifted up place in my life sometimes. Say, Brother Allen, what are you talking about? I'm in church on a Sunday night, okay? When it comes time to pray, is he high and lifted up? 
You got to understand, Brother Allen, I work really early in the morning. I know. But when you get a glimpse of him and he's high and lifted up, he gets the priority in our lives. Do you understand, Brother Allen? I'd have to wake up 35 minutes early. I'd have to wake up 10 or 20 minutes early if I want to walk with God, if I want to talk with God. Well, let me ask you this. Have you seen him high and lifted up? Because when you see him for who he is and you realize he's got the preeminence and he's got the priority, it's nothing for you to say. You know what? I don't care what it takes. I want to see the king. Y'all remember when you were dating? I mean, I remember back in college when I started dating my wife. Isn't it amazing? Two people that are dating, they don't care what it takes to see the other person. Man, I remember, I, my wife worked at Chick-fil-A when, 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 during college. She worked from there from high school all the way through. She worked about 10 years or so for the Chick-fil-A company in, 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 in South Carolina and then in Texas and then actually in Wisconsin when we first got married. We'll stay up late, won't we? Oh, she, she gets off work at 11.30. At 11.30 with 30 seconds, we're calling that phone, aren't we? Man, he, if I could just get a glimpse of her, man. And remember the times where, man, you, she'd write that note to you and put that perfume on that note? I mean, that note smelled just like her, didn't it? Oh. <laughs> you put it on your pillow right beside you. So you can wake up and go to sleep. Ah. Uh. Then you drool over it and smell. Anyways. <laughs> and remember, remember, boy, it used to be, po- I don't know if, I don't, they don't even send letters like this. Your kids are like, what's a letter? <laughs> it's an email on paper, okay? That's what we're talking about. Remember, man, they, they put those, they kissed those lips on that note. Man, we didn't care. You know why? Because they had a priority in our life at that time. Man, I'd go through Chick-fil-A 15 times through the drive-thru. I was a broke college student. You say, what'd you get? Well, ice cream was like 50 cents, so I got like 20 ice cream cones. (laughs) I gained 50 pounds just because I liked the worker there. Why? Because there was something that gave the priority in my eyes. And Colossians says this, that in all things, he might have the preeminence. Maybe the reason why he's not very valuable to us is because we have not seen him high and lifted up. Not only did he see the king's position, I believe this, I believe he saw the king's power. He saw the king's power. You look at it, just just the power of the angels that were subject to him. He said this, look at at verse number number three. He said, they cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He said, he's so powerful. And he said, the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. He said there was something so powerful about him that even the creatures that worshipped him, when when we we felt it, he said, we just shook at the power of the creatures that were underneath him. What kind of power do you think he has? He has the kind of power that he holds the earth in the palm of his hand and our breath. And the Bible says this universe is like a span unto God. And he is the powerful God. My prayer this week is that we see how powerful he really is. My prayer this week is that we see how powerful he really is when he can reach down to a lost man or a lost girl or a lost boy and save their everlasting soul. And may we see him this week reach down in power and work in our lives this week. He is so powerful that some of you will get on the altar this week that are addicted to the bottle or addicted to weed. People all the time, oh, marijuana's not addictive. Okay, then stop. Right. Stop then if it's not addictive. Right. Oh. The truth is it's a psychotropic drug that, that, that is making you, and by the way, the Bible says be sober and be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion. He said sober, that includes alcohol, that includes any type of drug that's going to alter your mind. Do you know why we don't think we can quit? Because we have not seen the king's power. 
we've not seen his power. Oh, I don't think, I mentioned it this morning, I don't think I'll ever get over this. Listen, do you understand how powerful our king is? We have reduced God almost to like a genie in a bottle, like he's trapped somewhere. And as long as we rub this little container the right way, he'll show up and he only has the power to grant us three wishes, you know. So we better be conservative about what we ask him to do. And we better be conservative about who he is. No, my God, the Bible says he's so big, so strong, and so mighty. Matter of fact, it says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself powerful and strong on behalf of them that trust in him. It's how powerful your God is. I've said it time and time again. I believe revival happens when God's people believe he is who he says he is and he can do what he said he can do. I believe that's revival. I believe if God's people would stand up and say, is God, po- is God powerful enough to get John and Romans to the entire country of Canada? Well, I don't know, brother. I, that's going to be expensive. Do you, do you serve a puny God that's broke? Listen, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I like what that country southern preacher said. He said he owns the cattle on the hills, the hills that's standing on, and the taters underneath the hill. We've reduced God to some weak little comic book character. Some of you worldly Christians, you think Thanos is more powerful than God. Some of y'all are like, Can, do I laugh there? Or not? <laughs> if I laugh, will he know that I watch? That's what we thought. One day, one day, one of my sons, he started praying. And he said, he said, Dad, he said, can I pray for it? It was my oldest son. He said, can I pray last? And I said, whatever, I don't care. And uh, he started praying. Both of my other sons just prayed. And then, and then my son Aaron, the oldest one, he started saying, Dear God, I want to thank you for Spider-Man. I want to thank you for Superman. Oh, no, that was Brother Jeff. Never mind. I just threw in my head. No. He said, he said, I want to thank you for Spider-Man. And I want to thank you for Superman. And I want to thank you for Wolverine. And I want to thank you for Batman. And I'm thinking, I'm about to smack this kid. He's desecrating the holy prayer hour. And he goes on and on about all these superheroes. And I'm like, I'm like, I know his mama taught him how to pray, but man. But then he got to the end and he said, but. He said, because God, we know they're not real. But they sure do remind us about how powerful you are and how great you are. And I went, I went from wanting to smack him to wanting to want to shout and run the aisles. Why? He got something that a lot of adults don't get. He saw the king and he's like, no, no, he's powerful. He's powerful. He didn't have to snap to get anything done. He just had to speak and the worlds came into existence. People were so amazed at Jesus Christ when he was able to calm that sea when he said, hey, peace be still. And the Bible says the sea stopped and it calmed and it was like glass. And they were so amazed and they said, what manner of man is this that the winds and seas obey his voice? I'm going to tell you what manner of man this is. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and by him were all things made. Amen. That's what manner of man is. He was the man that in the beginning said, let there be light and light just showed up. If he can say, let there be light and light shows up and the planets show up and the stars and moons show up, it's nothing for a little sea to be calmed. And if he can create this world with one word, I think he can turn your world upside down. If you'll let him have this place and if you'll see his position and you allow his power this week to come in and do a work in your heart. He said, man, I saw the power of him. You ever, you ever get, kids, you ever got your dad in trouble? You say, how? You, you ever hear kid, two kids talking and say, hey, hey, my, my dad can whoop your dad. <laughs> we used to say that growing up. And for me, I, I grew up without a daddy. It was like, my mama can whoop your daddy. Trust me. <laughs> I'm 37 years old. I'm still scared of her, hey, man. I saw the devil run from her three times. I mean, it's <laughs> powerful. 
my, 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 my dad could beat your dad. And you're like, my. you know, his, his, I mean, his dad, his, his, the other dad looks like Popeye and his dad looks like olive oil. <laughs> and he'll still say, my dad can whoop your dad. Well, can I help God help us tonight? Could I tell you, you have a heavenly father. You've got a God in heaven that you can say to every other God, my God will whoop the ever-living snot out of your God. Amen. Matter of fact, you can put your fake God, Dagon, and we're not even gonna, we don't even have to put God next to him. We're just going to put God's little vacation home, the Ark of the Covenant, next to him. I don't know where that came from, Jake. We're just going to put God's temporary box next to him. And guess what happened? The same thing that happens to the gods of this world, they all fall down on their face. And that same God is trying to give you the victory this week. That same God is trying to, hey, make you to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ this week. He said, I saw his position. And I saw his power. But then, Brother Jake, I believe he said this. I believe not only did he see his position in power, I believe he saw his purging. His purity, excuse me. I believe he said this. Look at this. Verse number five. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Uh. Did you notice this tonight? In verse number one, he's giving a description. Verse number two, he's giving a description. Verse number three, the angels are talking. Verse number four, the angels are crying. Verse number five, the first time Isaiah speaks, and the first words out of his mouth are, Woe is me. Why? Because I believe he saw that God that was holy, holy, holy. And he said, when I saw him, my first response was not, hey, he's a pretty cool guy. My first response wasn't, hey, man, I I think he may want me to serve him. I think he may. He said, my first response is, woe is me, for I am undone, and I am a man of unclean lips. You know, I believe the biggest reason why we ought to see him tonight is for his purity. Because when we see his purity, our first response is, oh, man. Man, I, I feel so dirty. Because when you, when, when you realize how dirty we are and we see our need for revival, we return unto him in repentance. said, woe is me, for I am undone. You know why we need revival? Because we're unclean. We're people of unclean lips, aren't we? We're people, as he said, we're undone. Man, we act like we have it all together, don't we? Well, we look like we have it all together. Boy, our tie's in the right place and, and our dress is in the right place and our, our makeup's in the right place. If you're a young lady, our, our, our glasses are in the right place and we know the right places to say amen and we know the right places to, to, to wave our hands sometimes and we, we know the right places. We know the right place to come in in the song and we know the right place and a tear brings our eye. Every time we hear that song, it brings a tear that same place. But oh, may we see the king high and lifted up tonight and may we look at ourselves and say, we are, woe is us for we are undone. We are people of unclean lips. Oh, God, we need you. God will begin to send revival amongst us. But you see, God resists the proud. It's it's not that God is not helping you. It is that he is working against you that are filled with pride. Pride. 
it's not that he's just saying, okay, I'm just going to leave them alone. It is he is actively resisting you. You know why? Because we're too busy saying, woe is somebody else. Can I, look at chapter four. Chapter five, I'm sorry. Look at chapter, chapter five. Chapter, chapter five and verse 11. Woe unto them. I thought I had a, I, I was restudying my message this afternoon and I thought I found a new favorite Bible verse. Woe unto them that rise up early. Amen. Till I read the rest of the verse. I was like, oh, okay, I understand that. But look at verse 11. Woe, is, woe unto them. Look at verse number 18. Woe unto them. Look at verse number 20. Woe unto them. Look at verse number 21. Woe unto them. But when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, it was no longer woe is them. It was woe is me. I said tonight, my one goal was to get you to see him. Why? Because when you see him, it's woe is me. Somebody in the meeting this week, they talked about it. We used to sing the song, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher, not the deacon, but it's me. And I say to you, sir, the problem in your home is not the fact that your wife does not have revival. The problem in your home is you do not have revival. The problem, ma'am, is not that your husband has revival. It's that you don't have revival. Every one of us has to individually take our eyes off of ourselves and take our eyes off of the king, off, off of those that are around us and see the king again. You ever thought, you ever thought your shirt was white? And then all of a sudden you get a new white shirt and you realize how yellow all your other shirts were. You know the reason why we have pride in our hearts as Christians? Because we compare ourselves among ourselves. And the Bible says they that do, all that do so are not wise. You know why? Because you're not my competition. You're not my comparison. You're not the measuring stick of Christianity. The Lord Jesus Christ is the measuring stick for Christianity. You know, the Bible says you are, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's son. You say, what's that? When we pull ourselves up to each other and we say, well, I'm not that bad. I, I don't think I need revival. I, 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 mean, I mean, there's people in the church, don't you know, that they drink? You know, it's amazing, preacher. I've, I've, I, I don't know if I've ever heard of a drunk man splitting a church. But all of the gossips look at the drunk man as if he's the worst sinner. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Every church split I know of has been started by a gossip. Yep. Yeah. And people sowing discord. But we look at the drunk as if he's the evil. Can I say to you, the drunk is not your measuring rod. And if you don't look at your gossiping tongue as woe is me, I am, I am a man or a woman of unclean lips. And I need reviving. I need purifying by the king. And the reason why I think my gossip is okay is because I've not looked at the Lord in a long time. I've not read his word. You know, it's amazing. Every pastor that I've ever heard of that fell into sin, most every one of them say, I stopped reading my Bible three to six months ago. Most every man that I know, and we've dealt with it, unfortunately, in our church that has been unfaithful to his wife, they say, listen, I have, dealt, I have not read the Bible in months. You know why? Because when you get close to the king and you start seeing him, you think he's trying to make you guilty. He is not trying to make you guilty. He is trying to convict you so you make it right. But we get close to that king and we start feeling guilty, don't we? Oh, wait. I, don't look, I, I look really good in, this, in, in, in that light over there because it's a little bit darker. That, oh, man, people starting to see my blemishes. I better go over here. And we start running from God when we should be running to him. 
And if we could ever get a generation of men, you know, boy, Brother Stone just pleading with people. I mean, God's given me a burden for Canada, too. And I, I don't know where it came from, but he's, he's given me a heart for this nation, too. Just like I, and I love my own nation, of course, and I preach mostly there. But God's given me, I mean, I, I, I want to do what I can to get these preachers going. I want, man, I preached, uh, I think, six revivals here last year. Man, I wanted to see God do a work here. In the, I want to see some men surrender to preach and, or surrender to help a preacher. And we see people pleading with him. You know why? But many of them, they just don't see the need. They just don't see how much we've dropped the ball. Why? They've not seen the king lately. And I know this about Isaiah. Once he saw that king, it was like, oh, man. And I'm a mess. You know, the people that say that in the church, they don't bother me. It's the people that think they're all right that bothers me. Man, the guy that comes into church, man, I, I mean, he, he drags in like something the cat killed three weeks ago. And he's just, man, it's just everything he can do just to get in here. And man, it seems like everything, every time the preacher opens his mouth, he's preaching on one of my sins. And, and it seems like, man, just, I'm just getting hit every way. And, you know, you fillet them. I mean, you're, you're, you get up and preach against everything they do. And they come hug your neck with tears in their eyes and say, thank you, preacher. But you get the Christian who's been here 30, 40 years sometimes, and they don't think, they, I mean, they don't think they do anything hardly wrong, and you say one little thing that was maybe a misunderstanding somewhere, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Why? Because it's been a long time since they just looked up and said, God, I'm just as much a mess as that drunkard is. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I'm just intoxicated on my gossip instead of the beer I drank. You know why? We've not seen him. Every one of us ought to fall on our face and say, God, let me see you for who you are so that I can see myself for who I am. Not only did he see the king's position, he saw the king's power. He saw the king's purity, and I got ahead of myself, but then he saw the king's purging. He said, man, once he said, man, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm unclean. Then he said, he, God looked over there and he said, hey, one of you angels, go get those tongs and get one of those coals off the fire. And the Bible says they picked him up and they put it on his lips and began to purify him. Yeah. You know, God's not in the business of just poking you in the eye about your sin. He's in the business of purging. He's in the business of purging. There's a principle in RU. When you, when you accept the blame, God takes the guilt. When you put the blame on somebody else, you experience guilt. No, Brother Allen, it was, it, was, it was my mom and dad. See, they were strict Christians, Brother Allen. And because they were so strict Christians, I mean, what, what was I supposed to do? I had to rebel. It's their fault. No, Brother Allen, you got to understand. You see, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, Brother Allen. I don't know if I could do that, man. I, I'm always going to be cussing. I'm always going to be living this way. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Let me tell you, you are shifting the blame to somebody else. And there comes a point where you say, woe is me and woe is not my parents. And woe is not the church youth group. And woe is not my school teachers. And woe is not the police officer down the street. But you got to say, woe is me. I'm the one that's undone. Because when you do... That God's going to take the tongs off of the altar and he's going to begin to purify you. Yes. But he cannot begin to purify you until you say, woe is me. Yes. You know, if you don't admit that you're not revived right now, how is he supposed to send revival? <laughs> yeah. It's true. We, we are raising a generation of, of uncoachable young people. In our area, at least. No coach, coach, if coach tells them something to do that they don't like, they try to get the coach fired. A teacher does something they don't like. There was a teacher in the United States of America. There was a teacher that was fired because she would not give her students a 50% for doing 0% of the assignment. 
And they said, you cannot tell these young, you can't fail these young people. You have to at least give them 50%. And she said, they haven't done any, they've done 0% of the work. But they said, you've got to give them 50%. And we are raising a generation of people that are no longer saying, listen, listen, we're lazy, we're complacent, we're apathetic, we're not getting the job done, and we are failing. And we are teaching our young people that there's going to be, there's going to be some evil guy get stand up one day in a pulpit and say, listen, you sin, you fall short of the glory of God. And they're going to say, go chase yourself preacher you're right I've got a trophy all my life for everything I ever did whether I wanted whether I did anything or not and you're telling me there's a God that I got to get right you're telling me there's a God that, that tells me I can't drink I can't live the way I want to live man who do you think you are and ultimately it goes back to obstruct their view of the king of kings right. and the lord of lords and I say to you Santa friend oh, I don't I just don't think I, I've done this in my life Listen, there's a king that can purify you. Yes. Oh, it encouraged my heart. I was several months ago, I was in the state of North Carolina and I was, I was preaching a homecoming service for that church. And there was a, there was a lady, I, I did a, con, a mini concert by myself for them on the Sunday night before, on the Saturday before that. We kind of had a sing-spiration and then, and then I, 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 I did a, uh, five or six songs by myself. And in the middle of that whole time, there was a, there was a lady who stood up and she, she was in the back of the church and she stood up and she began to testify and she said, oh, God's been good to me. She said, I was so vile, but God saved my soul. And a year ago, I was out there living in sin, but God saved me and he delivered me. And man, I, I got excited about it. And after she stood up, there was a man over here, an older man, and he was shouting it out while she was testifying. And he was saying, glory to God. He had his handkerchief out and he was waving his handkerchief and wiping tears out of his eyes. And he was saying, glory to God. After that service that night, the pastor who went back to his office and he said, he said, do you know who that was? He said, that lady that stood up to testify. He said, she last year, she was a heroin addict. And it got to the point, Brother Stone, that she sold her body to get heroin. And she had all her kids taken away from her. And she lost her home. She lost her job. She lost everything. But sometimes you got to lose everything, Brother Jake, to find something, don't you? And when she lost everything, she found the Lord Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. He said, what did God do? God took her from the mire and put her in the choir that night. And she began to sing, I never shall forget the day when Jesus washed my sins away and I'm going to tell you there was about 14 people that was ready to take a lap in that church that morning why because there is a God that if you'll say woe is me he will purify you and he'll make you meet for the master's service and he said oh yeah by the way he said you know that older fellow over there that was shouting when she was testifying she said he said that's her daddy he said he's seen what Jesus has done with her once she got to the place where she said, woe is me, I've made a mess of my life. And listen, I'm saying here tonight, you may not be strung out on drugs, and you may not be ready to lose your family because of alcoholism tonight, but I'm going to tell you, some of you are ready to lose the touch of God on your life. You're ready to lose the blessing of God on your life because you're not willing to say, I'm not a perfect Christian, and I need this revival just as much as anybody else in here needs this revival. I need to be purified. But then he said this, he said, not only did I see the king's purging, but he said, I saw the king's purpose. Here's what your Bible says. After he laid it, he says, I sin is purged. Then he said, also, verse number eight, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. He said, I saw the king's purpose. He said, once I saw the king high and lifted up, I was like, whoa, he's powerful. And I saw his power and I fell on my face and said, whoa, is me, I'm undone. Oh, the Bible says we hid as our faces were from him. I'm so unclean, I'm so undone, I'm so wicked, I'm so vile. And then he begins to purify us and he begins to work in our lives. But can I say to you tonight, he's not working in your life so you can sit there like a spiritual bump on a log. 
He's not trying to get you a prayer life so you can get puffed up and say, I got a prayer life. He's not trying to get you right with him so you can say, well, I'm not what I used to be. He's not trying to get you sobered up so you can say, it's been three years and 14 months and 16 days and 32 32 minutes and 14 seconds since I've been sober. He's not just giving, getting you right with God so you can say, yes, he restored my marriage. Yes, he restored my kids. Yes, he saved my soul. He wants to purge you and he wants you to see himself because there is a bigger purpose called the souls of men and women and boys and girls that he wants reached for him. He said, there's a purpose because God is looking and saying, who am I going to send Who's going to go for me? And he doesn't use people that won't rely on him and his power and see themselves as inadequate, but him as fully capable. And he will allow, he will allow, he will begin to purge your life. And he'll begin to take some things out of your life and he'll begin to put some things into your life. Why? Because the purpose is the souls and the lives of men, women, and boys and girls. But Alan, I got I got those other things. Okay. Does it bother you that 60 people, I believe it is, die every second? It's more than that. I forget the numbers. Does it bother you that you live in a nation? of over 30, 30 some million people, I forget the exact figure, 38 million people. Does it bother you that there are people living in this city who have never heard the gospel one time? You see, maybe, maybe just maybe, God will call some man in this meeting that instead of seeing dollar signs, that instead of seeing career marks, maybe he'll call some lady. Maybe he'll call some young person or middle-aged person or senior saint to a higher purpose this week. Brother Al, we've been talking about young men not surrendering anymore. And we have seen it in our church and we have seen it in our nation. I, I, I forget what missionary said it, but he said, young people not being called, maybe it's young people not listening. But I believe one of the greatest reasons why is because we've not seen him for who he is. Sure. And because we have not seen him for who he is, our careers look a lot more enticing than serving him does. Our plans look so much more grandiose than his plans. And what I'm praying for tonight is that somebody will see the king say he is worthy of everything I have. He is worthy of my life. He is worthy of me tithing. He is worthy of me. He may not call me to a mission field, but he is worthy for me to open up my wallet because there are people that are dying and going to hell around this world. And if, I can, if I'm not the one, here am I, send me. I'm the one, here am I. I will support those that you send. I may not be on the front lines with bearing precious seed, but I'm going to tell you right now, my family's going to find a way. I'm going to find some money somewhere. I'm going to find something that I can support the cause of God because it's so much bigger than me and it's so much higher than me. And when I see him, it's like, why would I not? Because look at my king. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when I believe it's Revelation chapter number nine. Every citizen of heaven is going to say, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb to receive glory and honor and riches and power. But I wonder what God could do with the people right now who would say he is worthy now. To receive glory and honor and my riches 
and the power. He's worthy now. But here's what's got to happen. Here's the end of the message. Your king's got to die. Your king's got to die. Whatever is sitting on the throne of your heart right now, it's got to die. I noticed this, I was reading this some, some time ago, and it said, in the year that King Uzziah died. I used to always read it as if it said, okay, yeah, the, when he died, he, he said the year. I don't know how long it took. It might have taken 11 and a half months. I don't know. But I do know this. The longer we delay, the more problems we have. And some of you, some, there's some people in here right now, no doubt, I don't know the testimonies of the people in this room, but God has been trying to kill some kings in your life. And one by one, he's been trying to knock them down. The problem is for some of us, we keep setting them back up, don't we? The problem, boy, you, I can't, brother Alan, I, I couldn't go soul winning, you know, because hey, I'd be embarrassed. I, so your pride is your king. How about this week we say, God, remove every king out of my life. The Jews said this. They said, they said doesn't Jesus call himself the king of the Jews? You know what they said? We have no king but Caesar. I wonder how many times in my life somebody said, isn't Jesus your king? Well, well yeah, you, you got to understand. I got to feed my family. Well, you got to understand, I'm, I'm just human after all. Maybe some kings need to die. And maybe we just need to come and say, God, whatever has been standing between me and revival, would you remove that this week? Because I want to see you in your position. I want to see you in your power. I want to see your purity again. I'm tired of comparing myself to everybody else and saying, well, you, 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 you're in the upper part of the church here. You're, you're not as bad. It's not about the upper part of the church. It's about me and him. And when we'll do that, he'll say, it's time to purge you. Some of you, here, here's what we do, and I, I'm done. We, we, we allow the devil to break us down about our past. And some of you, year after year after year, you're going to say, oh, well, my past, well, my past, well, my past. It, listen, if you say, woe is me, and you let him purge you, your past shouldn't be an issue. That's right. That's exactly Because if you take the blame, he takes the guilt. Stop letting the devil guilt trip you and start letting God purify you because he's got a purpose for you. Our heads are about our eyes are closed tonight. Very simple, very straightforward. Mine eyes have seen the king. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Can I, can I, let me put it this way. When was the last time you were consumed by his presence to the place you fell on your face and he just said, oh, God. Oh, Father. I mean, consumed to the place where you didn't even have words anymore. And I've been to the place where I start praying. I'm like, I can't do anything but, but almost moan. When was the last time that, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been at that place where you just, maybe it was a song that did it, but you just, you just came, you just saw the king and it was like, oh my soul. I know this, when people got into his presence in the Bible, that many a times the Bible says they fell like dead men. They were overwhelmed by his presence. He said, man, I told you my goal at the beginning. I want somebody to say, I saw the king.
it changed my life. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, as a pastor comes, and I pray that you people be sensitive to you. Others have already moved. Lord, may we not wait for somebody else to see the king. May we not wait to see who Isaiah dies and who else is going to join us. But may we say, we want to see him this week. We want to see God work. We don't want to drum it up. We don't want to conjure it up. We don't want to uh, try to uh, pick something, that song or a sermon that's going to gin up the power of God. We want to see you, Father. We want to see you in a way that we have. We want to see that all-consuming God. We want to see the one that said, taste and see the Lord is good. We want to see you, Lord. Lord, forgive me for looking at myself. Forgive me for looking at my fellow Christians and comparing myself to some other preacher or some other father or some other servant, some other worker, some other event. God, forgive me for the times where I've looked at man instead of looking at you and allowing you to put me in my place and allowing you to purge my life and allowing you to renew my purpose for souls, renew my purpose for helping people. God, help us tonight. We need you. Do a work and help us to mind you in Jesus' name.